uh, by a Christian band called Newsboys, and uh, it's a song called That Home, and it's about a lady who opens her home to the children and young people of the neighborhood. It's a tough neighborhood, and uh, her home becomes a place of sanctuary, so much so that they call her mama. So here's the video. There was a home in town where broken kids, the lost and found, would come from miles around just to see what love was all about. Cause mama had a way of making things okay. She'd cook us our favorite meal. Sit and listen to how we feel Oh, how the pain was real How many families would the devil steal Mama had a way of making things okay Sometimes loud, sometimes soft When I asked about her favorite song She opened the Bible to the book of Psalms She always found a way To talk about grace And in that home We knew we were safe To be young enough the faith to believe and in that home love it had no end that's where we learn to forgive in that home and on that day i got the news that mama's stay here was almost through i stayed all night by her side held her hand looked in her eyes and said mama when you're home i know you'll be safe strong enough to see the faith that you believe and in that home life will have no end i know i'll see you in that home in that home in that home 
Home is the place where we discover uh, what love is all about. And um, the church should be a place where people discover what love is all about. And all of us are on a journey, hopefully, towards home. And really, that's a major theme in Luke's gospel. Uh, there are two things that happen frequently in Luke's gospel, two, two major themes running throughout. One is to do with meals, and one is to do with journeys. And uh, there are more meals in Luke's gospel than in any of the others. And, um, and so, uh, like next week, we'll look at the prodigal son, which is a journey heading towards a party. There's also the Last Supper. It's Jesus' journey towards the cross and a meal. And then, of course, the road to Emmaus with a meal. And the reality of the whole Christian life is about journey. The whole the Bible is about journey. We hear Abraham journeying. And what lies at the end of the Bible? The big wedding feast of God. And so this parable of the great banquet in the middle of Luke's gospel is a very important one. Because right at the center of Luke's thinking and writing and experience of God is the fact that he is a Gentile. He is a non-Jew, the only one in the, in the Bible, the only one among the New Testament writers who comes from this non-Jewish background. And that's why Luke, throughout his gospel, wants to highlight the fact that everybody's invited to the party. And so he highlights the role of women. He highlights people who are poor and crippled, and he highlights non-Jewish people because he wants to highlight the fact that everybody is invited to the party. Now, as Jesus sits down and tells this parable, he's the home of a prominent Pharisee. It's Saturday, it's the Jewish Sabbath, and uh, in front of him is a, is a man who has a swelling of some type, and Jesus takes hold of him and heals him, even though he knows that uh, the religious leaders around him are probably going to become even more incensed by the fact that this is a Sabbath, and Jesus is refusing to keep the Sabbath in the way that they keep the Sabbath, that Jesus is saying, if your ox or your donkey need water or your child needs a drink, you'll give it to them. If a man needs healed, even on the Sabbath, heal him. And the tension is rising as the sort of two viewpoints collide between Jesus and the people that are sitting around him at table. So one of the people at the table says to Jesus, blessed is the one who will sit at the table for the feast in the kingdom of God. And what probably that person expects, what that man expects, because the reality is everyone at the table would have been a man, uh, what what they would have expected would have been that Jesus, in response, would have said something like, yes, may you and I be at that table with the men who are righteous and without blemish at the great table of God at the end of the age. But Jesus doesn't do that. Instead, he tells a story. And the story is about this man who who wants to throw a great banquet. And uh, in Jewish culture, you would have sent out the invitation long time before, days or weeks before, to say that you're going to have this party on this day, this big feast. 
and the first invitation would have gone out. We hear the parable at the time of the second invitation, where the servant is going out and saying, everything is now ready. The first invitation would have established who was coming, and therefore, what, which animal would need to be slaughtered? Is it a chicken? Is it a, a sheep? Or for a big party, is it a calf? And uh, so that would have been established because that would have happened on the day of the feast. There were no fridges or freezers. And so then at the hour of the feast, the servant goes out and says the uh, archetypal thing the servant says in this case, come now, everything is ready. So this was just standard language in terms of Jewish culture. And everyone was duty bound who had said they were coming to come. But in that moment, excuse after excuse unfolds. Someone says, I've just bought a field. I, I can't come. Please excuse me. One says, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and uh, I have to go and try them out. So I can't come. The third person says, I've just got married. And they don't even say, sorry. The people would have been absolutely horrified. This was absolutely shocking behavior. It was an insult to the host, great inconvenience. And the host was going to great expense. And the danger was this was all going to be wasted. And so what Jesus is doing at, at this dinner table, he's basically saying, because throughout his ministry, he's been saying, now is the time to respond. Now is the time of the kingdom of God. This idea of now was, was constant in Jesus' ministry. And so Jesus is saying through his parable that the servant in the parable is saying, come now, everything is ready. And what Jesus is basically saying to the people at the table with him is that this invitation is going out to God's kingdom meal now. The fact that I'm here having this meal with you at table is the invitation to you. As I speak to you, this is your chance to be able to sit down with God the Father at the feast at the end of the age. Now is the time to respond. He is longing for the people at the table to respond to him. And we know from, from Luke's writing and Acts that many, many Pharisees did become followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't see the Pharisees as his enemies. He saw them as his friends. Jesus was longing that these people at table with them would recognize the fact that God's kingdom in God's son was actually among them as he was actually sitting down and having a meal with them. They would have recognized that in Jesus' story, the behavior of the people who excluded themselves from the banquet was absolutely shocking behavior. They would have just thought that socially this was disgraceful. It would have been humiliating to the host, the fact that he had slaughtered his animal, he had gone to great expense, and now it looks as if no one is going to come to his party. And so he would have been faced with immense social humiliation as well as great waste. But Jesus says, the, the host is not going to be thwarted. And so he says to his servants, go out into the streets and the lanes and say to the lame and the blind and the crippled to come in. Encourage them, make them come in. And then the servant says, that's already been done. And what Jesus is saying is to those who are around him at the table, this is exactly what I've been doing. You have judged me because I am eating with tax collectors and sinners. I am feeding the hungry and I am healing those who are crippled and disabled. The servant in the story says it's already been done because that is what Jesus has been doing. 
So the master says to the servant, go out beyond the city, go out into the, into the lanes and the byways, out in the country lanes, and bring the people in. In other words, go out beyond Jerusalem, go out to the Gentiles, they must come in that my house may be filled. Jesus throwing the gates open. The amazing thing is that the guests may have thought the party couldn't go ahead without them. That the, the host would have been humiliated and his house would have been empty. Because what those who have excluded themselves in the feast have done is actually purposefully tried to humiliate the host. But in the end, the host's house is full. And this is the reality of history. The fact that you and I, as people who are non-Jews, that there are women among us. That even if we have a, a questionable moral background or a physical blemish, all of us are invited to the party. And the fact is, all of us fall into those categories. All of us, at the very least, have a past that we need cleansed from and forgiven and to be embraced by God. Isaiah the prophet has foretold this hundreds of years before as he speaks about all peoples coming to the, to the feast of the kingdom of God. Isaiah 25 Verse 6 says, On this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich foods for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. It's this picture of the messianic banquet. It's a picture of wholeness, of shalom, of salvation, of completeness that Isaiah is picturing. But amazingly, in the midst of the, of the Jewish scriptures, he's saying all the nations are invited and it's free. They don't have to bring anything. It's pure grace. Just like in our video, that sense of the lady, the mama speaking about grace. Jesus at the table is speaking pure grace. He's saying this is open to everybody. Only those who exclude themselves will be excluded. Everybody is invited. I've been really uh, struck recently um, just thinking about uh, how we as a Christian community and as a society, how, how we respond to these words of Jesus um, go out beyond the city limits to those who are lame and those who are blind and those who are crippled and bring them in. And um, part of the reason why Jesus tells that is because of this very man who heals just at the start of this meal that's happening. And I know that these are really complex issues uh, for society and also for families. But I want us to watch in a moment just a short video by Sally Phillips, who is an actress. You'll probably recognize her face. She's been in things like Bridget Jones and um, Miranda and things like that. She's a screenwriter as well. Her first child, Ollie, who's now about 11 years old, was uh, born with Down syndrome. And um, I, I think I was really shocked in the last 
while to, to read that in the United Kingdom um, now that 90% of the occasions wherever a family are told that their child is going to be born with Down syndrome, um, abortion takes place. And in Iceland, that's nearly 100%. There's actually only probably two or three children born in Iceland every year who have Down syndrome uh, because they've slipped through the net. And um, I, I know that for families bringing up children who have some sort of intellectual or physical uh, limitations, that the challenge of doing so is extremely difficult. The thing that I find really challenging recently is uh, particularly after this reimagined series that we have, where we're looking at the fact that both lives matter. Um, are we moving inexorably towards a society where no one with any type of disability is allowed to be born? Will it be people with cleft lips soon? Or club feet? Or the wrong color hair? or as we've known in China over the years, females. I know these are complex issues, but I think for us as a society and also for us as a church, I think for us as a church, we need to do something to model a home, a welcome for every single type of person. So let's watch the video. No, no, who's that? Chicken. Chicken who? Buck, buck. <laughs> That's buck. rubbish. Knock, <laughs> knock. Who's that? 85. 85 who? Doctor! <laughs> this is Ollie, my son. He likes chocolate ice cream. He likes Barcelona Football Club. He also has Down syndrome. When Ollie was diagnosed 11 years ago, I never could have imagined that our family was going to end up looking like this. Or like this. Or like this. But although Ollie's the reason I started making this film, it's not just a film about him. It's not just about Down syndrome either. It's a film that asks the question, what kind of society do we want to live in? And who do we think should be allowed to live in it? So I know these are all complex issues, but I just I think I just want to throw it out there this morning. Um, for us as a, as a church family, one of the reasons why we want to engage in compassion ministries, particularly from September onwards here in the church, in the hall, on the streets, in our homes, is that we want to exercise welcome. We want to exercise welcome to absolutely everybody, whatever their nationality or background or physical condition or moral past, uh, whether they're male or female, young or old. Because the reality is none of us are worthy to sit at the table of God. But Jesus Christ has made us all worthy to sit at the table of God. And the invitation has been extended. And the invitation is being extended through us because the reason why Jesus finishes 
or Luke uh, places this uh, these teaching of Jesus at the end of this chapter about the costliness of discipleship is because as soon as we say yes to being a guest in the kingdom of God, as soon as we say yes to Jesus and his love for us demonstrated in the fact that in public humiliation, he hung on a cross and bled and died for us to extend and embrace to absolutely everybody. And that public humiliation was like the public humiliation of God. But it hasn't thwarted God's plan. In fact, that through it, the invitation has gone out beyond the Jewish people. It includes the Jewish people. It has gone out to females and young and old and tax collectors and sinners and us. But as soon as we say yes to that invitation, we go from being party guests to being party hosts. We become people who extend the welcome of Jesus Christ to others. And strange as it may sound, that is very costly. It cost Jesus Christ his life. Because in this world, to extend the invitation to all types of people is a very costly exercise. But that's the glory that Jesus Christ calls us to. And so the moment Jesus died on the cross and look to show us the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy documents the fact that the big curtain in the temple, foot and a half thick, meters high, meters wide, is torn from top to bottom. Top to bottom because the work is starting with God and he tears it right down. And a Roman centurion the last person that a good Jew would have thought could come to the kingdom of God. His eyes are opened. The veil, the shroud of misunderstanding and ignorance is removed. And he says, surely this man was the son of God. Luke is telling us about a journey home. A home that is open to absolutely everybody. You and I are invited into it. And then in turn, you and I are invited to invite everybody else in. And they too will discover that following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ will cost them absolutely everything. But it's so worth it. Because our God is our Father. We are brothers and sisters. Our God is a great God. Let us pray.